Welcome to the Plant Cunning Podcast, where we explore a relationship to plants, other people, and the mysteries of nature. Coming to you from the High Allegheny Plateau in central New York, we are your hosts, A.C. Staubel and Isaac Hill. Episode 13, Winter Self-Care, Duocast. In this episode, A.C. and I are going to talk about our top 10 tips for surviving the winter. Well, welcome, friends. This is our winter self-care duocast. Hello, everyone. In this episode, we're going to talk about uh, what, how our habits for uh, surviving the winter. <laughs> uh, we're up here in the northern climate in central New York, and we've had snow here since October, pretty much. Yeah, there was one one day where it snowed 26 inches overnight and we had to shovel ourselves out of the door and our neighbor came luckily with his equipment to like a tractor with a plow to plow us out, but it was an all-day affair of just shoveling snow for ourselves and our neighbors. Yeah. And we this is just the beginning of winter. <laughs> We've got a few more months left. Yeah. But the light is returning. We've passed the solstice, past Christmas, and we'll be releasing this uh, right before New Year's. So I hope all of you have had a happy holidays, whether or not you were able to be with your family. And I hope you have a good New Year. Yeah. So winters are usually hard, especially in the north, especially without the sunlight and the activity. And this year has been hard. (laughs) <laughs> for a lot of people. And this winter has been hard for us and for a lot of people, and it's probably not going to get any easier. So we're going to talk about some of our uh, habits for staying uh, <laughs> fit and happy in the winter. And uh, hopefully you can find some use and value from them. Yeah. So shall we begin with our top three? There, we have like a whole list for you, and they're not necessarily all in order, except for, I would say, the top three. Um, so the first one we can dive right into if you're ready. Sure. So the first one on our list is exercise. exercise. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure everyone will tell you that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, just so important for us to be moving our bodies. Like humans are not really meant to live in such a... Uh, sheltered and sedentary lifestyle like we really need to move our blood and our muscles to keep healthy and um, I definitely find that it helps when I'm in an emotional rut too with depression and anxiety for me to get out and move my body go spend time in nature walk around the city at a brisk pace like wherever I am just getting out and moving part of the reason why I always find myself having a dog because they help me to like get outside and go on walks yeah, so that's one of the things I've been doing uh, lately especially is is walking with the dog every day out in the woods and up hills and down hills and, and so on. Even just for a half an hour, uh, just getting the blood moving is really helpful. And then I, I've i been stretching and, and doing push-ups and stuff like that uh, also, which, I'm, you know, if you do yoga, you know, that's that's really good. But 
I just stretch a little bit <laughs> and do some push-ups. And then we also we have a wood stove, so I'm hauling wood from the woodshed every three days, like a big, big load in the in the sled, and that's always a good a good workout too. I, I like my my workouts to be um, useful in some way, so like digging, raking beds, that kind of stuff. I'd rather do that kind of stuff than going to the gym or something. And you, a lot of people can't go to the gym these days anyway. Um, and also using uh, weights, which I've you know I've done that in the past. It can be a kind of a strain on your on your joints and and so on. So I, I like to do stuff like push ups and and sit ups and planking, um, body weight stuff. So that's what I've been doing. I also love snowboarding, and that is one of the things that is a key to my winter self-care survival is basically getting out onto the mountain if I can. Sometimes there's days where there's uh, $12 skiing or if you go with a big group you can get discounts or if you know someone on ski patrol you can get in and so I find ways to get in for for free or cheap um, to go snowboarding and uh, something about flinging myself off the top of a giant mountain and the icy snow just really does it for me it keeps me strong also just walking through 26 inch snow is quite (laughs) (laughs) quite a chore it's a lot of fun though i haven't i haven't done that in such a long time yeah 26 inches was like taller than our dog's head and so watching ollie like leap like a little baby dolphin or deer (laughs) (laughs) through the snow is just so fun of course he still was like hunting and finding the mole holes and you know yeah, I guess uh, the, one of the th- things with exercise is, you know, I'm not a healthcare specialist, but I've found that more gentle exercise is is a lot better in the long term than too strenuous. Uh, but maybe that's just that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> so like, wa- I prefer to walk than to run, you know, and and uh, do push-ups than to bench press. Mm-hmm. But one of my friends, Arnima Pandir, who did a presentation at a spiritual uh, retreat it was an online thing uh a couple months ago she made a top 10 list of of habits for spiritual seekers and her number one was exercise too and i think that's it's that's just shows to show how important exercise is for anything you do you got to keep your blood moving you got to keep your body going um and i you know i also i've got saturn in my first house and so i I have a tendency to be a little bit more on the depressive side (laughs) So exercise really helps to get me out of those stagnant uh, Mm -hmm. self-criticism loops and Mm -hmm. and so on. So what's number two? Number two is vitamin Vitamin D. D. (laughs) So again, we're up here in in central New York where we don't really get a lot of sun in the winter. And we have to supplement with vitamin D to to really not be vitamin D deficient in the winter. But I also try to get as much sun as I can, especially in like September, October, November, and in this in the early spring, when you can get some sun sometimes. even I'll even go outside like in February or April or March uh, when it's still snowing, but it, in the direct sun, it'll be kind of warm, and I'll just like open my <laughs> open my shirt and my like uh, big jumpsuit and let the let the sunlight hit my belly <laughs> where the rest of me is all uh is is 
is warm. Or your booty, don't lie. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I like to get get sunlight on my on my private parts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you can't do that, then luckily they bottle up sunshine in these tiny capsules called vitamin D capsules and you can take a thousand I use to if you're maybe trying to fight off something or um higher risk for coronavirus or respiratory infections in general you can take up to like 5,000 IUs a day and um, it helps us to just like maintain that basic level because in the northern hemisphere from October until March we literally are not getting enough sunlight even if you spend the entire day outside the placement of the way the way that the sun is placed in the sky and the angle of the earth we're just literally not getting enough and so it's really important to supplement, especially in the Northern Hemisphere. Well, yeah, especially with things like uh, coronavirus or the flu, um, they're showing that like 80% of people with coronavirus have a vitamin D deficiency. And there are studies that show that uh, if you have a vitamin D deficiency, you're much more likely to get a upper respiratory infection. So uh, that's it's like a really important thing that I... I, people do talk about it. A lot of people talk about it, but I don't think enough people talk about it. Everyone should know <laughs> that vitamin D is really important. Yes, absolutely. I think you covered it. So then on to three. Yes. Number three on our list is medicinal mushrooms. Mushrooms. <laughs> the, f- <laughs> the fun fun guys. So, again, we have a wood stove, and um, what I like to do is put a big – when you have a wood stove, the air gets dry, you know. So a lot of people have a pot of water to rehydrate the air um, so you don't get, like, dry, cracked lips and stuff like that. So what I do is put the pot of water in there with some reishi and some chaga and some red-belted polypore and just let it decoct continually. So whenever we want to have some tea, I'll just scoop out a scoop into a, to a cup and drink it. Our I'll add it to soups. I'll add it to my hot chocolate, um, and yeah, it's it's just a really it's a really good way to to use utilize mushrooms. And if you don't have a wood stove, then you can still make decoctions of of mushrooms yeah, on your stove. Yeah. Yeah, I've had plenty of places where I haven't had a wood sco- stove, but there's still a decoction of chaga on my propane stove or my electric stove. Um, and one thing that one thing to note, I guess, is that the water will evaporate off, and so you have to continuously add more water. And usually, before we drink tea, we make sure that it got up to a boiling point for like at least ten or twenty minutes, just in case um, any bacteria formed overnight when it was cool and we didn't have like a raging fire going, anything like that. It's just good to flush it right before you drink it too with um, a fresh boil. Yeah. Yeah. And it's worth noting that a lot of these mushrooms, um, they they need to really have a good long decoction to get all of their benefits out of them. So, And you can not believe how much you can get out of one mushroom, especially chaga. You can yeah. boil it for months, like a month or two, just over and over. If you have a big chunk that's maybe the size of like something that would fit in the palm of your hand. Um, you know, it's amazing. Like you'll, you'll see that 
it comes out black until it doesn't. And then once your tea no longer comes out black after you've boiled it for a good long time, that's how you pretty much know that the chaga is, is done. Yeah, we've just had one piece of chaga this whole time where I've been adding uh, bits of reishi and red belted polypore every once in a while. So, and if you want to learn more about mushrooms, we did an episode with John McLotty of uh, Catskill Fungi. Fungi. So that was just a few episodes ago. You should listen to that if you haven't. And reishi, just on one more note on reishi before we move on, it's another herb that, or actually fungi, that is um, an excellent herb or fungi for fighting infections and for COVID, and especially upper respiratory um, infections. So it's an ally that we can be taking every single day to just help us stay healthy. So definitely consider reishi this winter. Yeah, so what is next, hot chocolate? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. It kind of (laughs) led into hot chocolate. Yeah, so we've been making hot chocolate almost every day. (laughs) Um, Little cups, just tiny ones. Yeah, and lately I've been using the the reishi and chaga decoction um, as part of the the drink mix. So I'll, like, use that and then some coconut cream and some, like, really good cocoa powder and uh, a little bit of honey little bit of salt um, and that that's been really good we've also used uh, our fresh raw milk from down the street we've used uh, almond milk and uh, we've used other like rock a cow or other kinds of of cocoa uh, and it's actually surprisingly easy to make your own oat milk yeah so that's another um, another thing that if you you don't want to do the dairy milk and you have oats in the cupboard you can literally just make yourself some dairy-free milk and one of the things i really like about using like coconut cream or or fresh raw milk um in hot chocolate is uh the the fats uh help you digest and absorb like the mushrooms so if you're using you know the mushroom decoction in your hot chocolate then you're being able to absorb it better and it's also good to not uh, boil it too long if you're using like raw milk. So if you want the enzymes, or if you're using, you know, cook, you know, raw cacao, which you know you'd want that too. But if you're just using, uh, you know, Dutch cocoa powder and some coconut cream, and then you know, doesn't really matter. <laughs> but I, I do. I don't really like to get it too hot, just before it's boiling. That's my mm-hmm. my favorite. But, yeah, and it's just such a great treat for lifting the spirits. And, yeah. you know, after a wood run or a walk outside, you're just like, okay, is it's it co- cocoa time? It's cocoa time. And you don't really want to do it too late in the day. So there's like a window, and you have to make sure you don't miss the cocoa window before it's too late, and you'll be up all night from the chocolate. Yeah, we missed it today. We did, <laughs> now that you mention it. <laughs> we can have Darn. Some, we can have we'll just some, have the decoction. Yeah, that'll be good. But that's really been a good treat this this whole time. Um, really helps lift the spirits. I just love, I love chocolate. I love Mama Coco. Mm-hmm. So what do we have next? Study and planning? Yeah, why don't you talk about that? Yeah, so one of the things that I like to do in the winter is is do some studying. I usually have a little more time um, and less time outside. You know, I can't be working in, in the garden or, or doing that, that stuff. Uh, so I, I kind of take a like a mini course or something. And so this year uh, we're studying astrology, which we 
our last episode was with Zamboni, and we talked about astrology, and, and as you could tell from that episode, astrology is not my strong suit. <laughs> I know a little bit about it, but I'm not really fluent in it yet. So I figured now's the time to, to start getting a little more fluent. It's a very daunting subject. Uh, there's so many moving parts to it, and it's one of the oldest and most ancient uh, sciences of human civilization. You know, started in Mesopotamia and Egypt at the beginning of, of civilization. So uh, I'm really excited about it. I'm already learning a lot. Um, and the books that we're using are Parker's Astrology and uh, Llewellyn's A to Z Horoscope Delineator from before 1980, which John Michael Greer suggests using. So we printed out our our, our uh, charts, and we're, we're I'm studying and writing down all the, you know, what, what each of the signs mean, what the houses mean, what aspects mean, and all that kind of stuff, and, and, and really just starting with the basics and, and, uh, and get, starting at it, getting at it, which it'll probably take me, you know, I mean, <laughs> it'll probably take me all winter just to get the basics down, if, if I even get the basics down, but at least I'll have begun. So this year, it's astrology, but there are so many things that you can learn, uh, and I, I I really like learning, and I think that you can't count on anybody else to make you learn anything. Um, can so, I ask you something? Yeah. So can you tell us about what your techniques for learning are, like some oh. of the ways that you co go at a new subject that you don't know anything about yet? Yeah, so, and so I was homeschooled, which um, I really, uh, I was homeschooled until until I went to high school in ninth grade. So I, I feel very lucky that I was able to do that because I learned how to learn when I was a, when I was a kid, and so the way I do it is I just if 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 there's a subject that's really interesting to me, I kind of do like a a big overview of it and like look at all like the the big names in it and like uh, try to find the like get just a big overview of it and then try to find a good entry point. So. Uh, Parker's astrology has been recommended by several people as like a good um, overview intro book that is not just an intro book. It, you know, if you really go through it, it's like from it's it, it, it's for people who want to actually really get into depth into astrology. It so, looks like a giant textbook. I mean, yeah. it's a couple inches tall and wide. Yeah, <laughs> it is know. a textbook. It, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's a textbook. So. Um, that, that's what I that's what I like to do I, and when I'm when I'm researching a subject usually I'll be listening to a lot of podcasts in that subject so I've been listening to the astrology podcast with Chris Brennan I've been reading charts online and just trying to immerse myself in it mm -hmm. um, and usually for me um, that's not not a problem because I, I I'm really interested in the subject and I only go I only do this with subjects that I'm really interested in yeah. So, I mean, I remember one of the biggest, like, the most important of these subjects was when I got into permaculture right after uh, college, and I just, like, that's all I did for months and months. I read all the books, I watched all the YouTube videos, listened to the podcasts, and then I went and and, uh, and started practicing it, and then I got my PDC. So, that's usually the way I, you know, not every subject do I go that in-depth with, but, you know, I usually go for as as long as the impulse is really strong and um, usually a little bit past that too because uh, anyway but that, that's the way that I that I do it and everyone has different learning styles but the way I see it is yeah just get a good overview and then 
good an entry point and go in depth and immerse yourself. That's that's yeah, that's a good way to yeah. do it. But yeah, yeah, good advice. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. And then part of study is um, planning too. It's yeah studying yourself, studying your patterns and how you did over the past the previous season and then start starting to think about and plan for the following season and so for me as a farmer I've been farming herbs since 2012 and this time of year I really savor because it helps me to like digest my year and um, I actually don't do a great job of keeping up with my um, like income and expenses like I have an overview but I really go through every receipt in January and get my like taxes ready to go and so I have you know a sheet for every year that I've been in business so I can see how I did and how um, different seasons and pitfalls and advantages from different seasons have helped me grow as a farmer and help this be my full-time job so that I can that I've weaned off of working outside jobs babysitting or restaurants or uh, other farms and you know it's helped me this planning process has helped me to be a self-sufficient farmer so that this is my main um, way of making a living so that's that's a lot a big part of my winter is is the planning yeah a big part of the farm planning in the winter is you know planning your crop mm-hmm. you're, yep. getting your crop plan down and uh, you know, figuring out what seeds to get and putting out the seed orders. So that's another big uh, planning part. But another part that is really important for me in the winter is is the hibernation aspect, the pausing and uh, letting yeah. digestion, um, just doing nothing too. Mm-hmm. So uh, we've had a couple weeks here. We didn't go visit anybody for the holidays. So we just uh, we actually binge watched on Netflix, so, uh, series on Netflix, <laughs> which is is not we don't do that too often, but uh, sometimes it, I think it can be good. Yeah, I think of that hibernation of winter. You know, think of a, an animal literally hibernating in a burrow. They're curled up. They're with, like, you know, rounding around their soft parts and protecting and staying warm. And so you're like curling within and getting cozy and just sort of allowing your breath to flow naturally and relax and you know this is like the exhale of the year before the inhale of spring where we're like okay here we go got a rally for another season like got your boots on and (laughs) your pitchfork out yeah but the winter is like a time where you are giving yourself the permission to let go and to relax yeah, I find that especially in like December, early January, when it's still dark, you know, when you only have a few, you know, hours of light a day, mm. that's like the best time for me to really, really turn within and 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 gestate, ferment, yeah. digest. And I do a lot of dreaming in the winter too. I mean, yeah. maybe a little bit more than the summer, where I don't have to worry about like the call of the alarm, alarm clock, you know, as much. But um, when I can sleep in more, I really remember my dreams better. And so that's another part of the self-reflection and self-study yeah. is keeping a dream journal and tracking my emotions um, in a journal. So this might be a good transition 
Ah, yes, into, into the herbs. Some herbs, especially herbs um, that are nourishing to the nervous system. Yeah. And the heart and our mood uplifting. Yeah, so um, I guess I, I kind of want to get uh, – I want to geek out, I guess, with, with herbs for a moment, if that's all right. Yeah, let's um, get geeky. Okay, I just want to, like, dive into a couple of blends that I would recommend that folks use. And I have one blend that I call the Beezy Blend. And, yeah, just so you know, we're not doctors. Oh, yeah. Isaac's like, the disclosure. <laughs> disclaimer. Yeah. The disclaimer. <laughs> Non-disclosure. Yeah, no. Um, the disclaimer. Yeah, just to be clear, I'm an herbalist. I'm a community herbalist. I'm not a doctor. This isn't medical advice. This is um, things that I've used on myself and my family and friends um, and things that I've learned over the years of working with the plants. But by all means, do your own research and find out what is good for you. Everybody's different. Um, seek out an herbalist in your area or uh, some kind of alternate health practitioner before you dive into things. But if you are an herbalist or you are a budding herbalist and learning about these herbs and you're like, I just want to know like what AC would do for stress and anxiety, here you go. Yeah. So this is not medical advice. This <laughs> yeah. is just this is what AC does. <laughs> this is This is AC advice. So I have a blend that I call the Be Easy Blend. And in my titles, I like to think about it as almost like an affirmation. So my sleep blend, for example, is like, thank you, good night. And I imagine like a stand-up comedian like being like, all right, thank you, waving off the stage, mic drop, good night. Like, all right, I'm going to bed. So the Be Easy Blend is um, not always the same exact herbs. So I'm going to give you a few that are... Um, pretty much always going to be in it first. So Tulsi, holy basil, Tulsi tincture is um, an excellent cheery, like tincture. It makes everything a little bit brighter. It's mood uplifting. It um, is stress reducing and anxiety reducing. So Tulsi is going to be a larger part of the Be Easy blend. And another large part of the Be Easy blend is going to be rose glycerite. And so the Tulsi tincture is an extract in alcohol, but rose glycerite is rose petals extracted in vegetable glycerin. And this is something that's super easy to make. And I want to take a second to just tell you how to make rose glycerin if you've never done it, um, because it's something that you can use for anxiety reducing and mood uplifting and heart opening, as well as for grief. And a lot of us are processing grief right now. And I feel like this is a fundamental element of any grief formula as well. And so to make a rose glycerite, you can get some dried rose petals from an herb shop near you. I really like um, Healing Spirits is a New York herb farm that has really high quality rose and everything from there is high quality. Pacific Botanicals, if you're on the other coast, um, is another great source for rose petals. So you're basically gonna fill up a jar um, about halfway to three quarters away with rose petals. And then you're going to add your organic vegetable glycerin. You can get that online. Uh, there's different types of glycerin. Just go for the organic vegetable glycerin, food grade. And it's this viscous, like thick, almost like thicker than honey consistency, a clear liquid that you pour over to the rose, over the rose petals. 
And then uh, you're basically going to let that sit for four to six weeks. You could even pull it sooner if you feel like it tastes really good after a week. And I like to flip my jar upside down um, every other day. And then I'll flip it right side up the next day. And that helps to just get the rose moving because you can't really shake it like you can a tincture or vinegar. It's so thick. And so that just sort of bubbles up the rose petals and helps it infuse, infuse a little bit better. And then you're going to um, strain it after the period that it's been sitting through a metal strainer. Like you can get a mesh tea strainer or you can use cheesecloth. If you don't have either of those things in a pinch, I've used like a packet of fresh pantyhose from the pharmacy um, to strain something. And you can really squeeze out as much as you can um, to get the most out of that because the, the glycerin is going to stick in those rose petals. So you really want to squeeze it out. And then you just label it with the date and what's in it, rose and vegetable glycerin, and maybe where you sourced your herbs. And then that's it. And then you can add it to your blends. So that's the rose glycerin. Um, and then I'll go back to the Be Easy blend. So I have Tulsi tincture and rose glycerin. These are going to be a higher percentage, like higher parts in my blend. And then I'm going to add in something for the heart in addition to the rose i love hawthorn berry or hawthorn flower and um it's good for the emotional heart as well as the physical heart muscle and so i definitely recommend hawthorn in this blend especially for folks that are dealing with grief or just a heavy heart or have physical heart um, ailments and then i use something that is nutritive to the nervous system like either milky oats a vena sativa or lion's mane, hericium, uh, mushrooms. They're both really great for the nervous system. They actually help to build the myelin sheath back on the nerves, which is the coating that lines our nerves to keep the signals flowing smooth and our nerves feeling really healthy and nourished. And that's something that you can take every day for a long period. And so milky oats is going to be another part of the tincture blend or lion's mane. And then there's a few other herbs that could go in the blend, depending on what direction you want to go. I love passion flower for a mood uplifting, stress relieving, um, just very like kind of like similar to Tulsi in effect of just like this another cheery herb. Um, and then another herb that you could use if you have an overactive mind where you're going over in your head all the things that you could have said or the things you need to do and you're staying up at night just like going over lists kind of like a type a personality where you're just go 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 and you need to just have something to take a deep breath and reset i really like blue vervain for this and so you could add some blue vervain tincture to your blend if that's something that afflicts you and then I have two other thoughts that could go in the Beezy blend. Um, one is chamomile. And chamomile is really nice. It's a very familiar herb. People have had chamomile tea in little tea bags before. Um, and so this one is really good for the nerves in your belly as, as well as just like general anxiety nerves, especially if you have that butterfly feeling of just like kind of being frazzled and you're feeling it in your gut. Anxiety can happen there, it can, and, and then it can in turn affect our digestion. So chamomile might be good if you have that kind of nervous energy going on where it's really afflicting your gut. 
and it's also just super soothing and relaxing and a very safe herb unless you have an allergy to asters which is kind of um, not that common but it chamomile is in the asteraceae the aster family and so um, that's the only contraindication that I know of with chamomile <coughs> and so then the last herb for the bz is skullcap and skullcap is an herb that I love for skeletal muscle relaxants, tension in the neck and spine, back, uh, jaw. Um, so skullcap is a, uh, another really great option if that's part of what you're working with is that tension. And so that's pretty much it for the Be Easy Blend. Thanks for uh, diving deep with the herbs. And I hope that was helpful for folks who are interested in working with herbs for stress and anxiety. So you also, another herb blend that you like to use in the winter is immune boosting or kill stuff tinctures, right? Those are, those are really important to have in the, in the apothecary. So yeah. yeah so for immune boosting, um, I make a blend that I call the kill shit blend. Um, and so herbs that are good for immune boosting include elder, either elderflower or elderberry. Uh, yarrow is another great herb that is both anti-inflammatory as well as antibacterial and antifungal and it's going to help um, to just kick a cold if you start to get it. Usnea lichen, it's also known as old man's beard and that's a very powerful um, herb as well. Well, I should say lichen as well. And then reishi mushroom is a good one to keep in a blend like this. And then there's your kitchen herbs that are great to incorporate in your food as well as in your medicine. So thyme and sage, garlic and onion. And then one other herb that is worth mentioning in this category would be boneset, which is also a fever reducing plant. And so boneset is part of a tea that's been used for a long time um, that folks use to reduce fever and it includes elderflower and yarrow and bone set and maybe a little bit of peppermint for flavor and for um, the aromatic effects of it as well. So yeah, that's throwing out some of the immune boosting herbs that I keep on, on my um, apothecary shelf. Those are all good for the winter. And especially um, in the winter, another great way to, to do herbs is infusions with nutritive herbs. Mm -hmm. So that's another, that's on our list. Is, what kind uh, of infusions are your favorites um nettle that's mm -hmm. that's my number one yeah i mean yeah you know uh milky oats is good mm -hmm. and oat straw and uh lemon balm lemon balm well I, what i like to do really is um i do like a mixture of mostly uh nettle with like a little bit of like tulsi or chocolate mint mm. um and maybe a little bit of uh <laughs> Our dog's snoring. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, something else to, to give it some some flavor. I, you know, you're not supposed to do um, an infusion with an herb that has a lot of essential oil. So you, you know, you're not supposed to do a f just lemon balm in an infusion usually. So that's what I've heard. Um, but I like to, you yeah, have like the base of like red clover or nettles, mm, red raspberry leaf. Yeah, and then and then add add some tulsi yeah. and and mint or what or whatever. So yeah, the nutritive. Um, aspect of staying healthy like you don't necessarily need to take the acute kill shit herbs 
all the time. Um, maybe take them at the first sign of a cold or if you've been exposed to someone who's sick and you want to just make sure your immune system's functioning well. But the nutritive tonics, um, like the mushroom blends we talked about earlier with reishi and chaga, or you can be taking a stragglus root and putting that into your bone broth or miso soups. Um, stragglus is another really great one. And I think it would also be worth mentioning probiotic-rich foods at this point. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Isaac makes a really nice sauerkraut or Appalachian kimchi. Um, so maybe you can take a minute to talk about how you make that. Yeah, I mean, everyone should know how to make sauerkraut, I, th- I think. Well, you know, if you want to. You should, yeah. <laughs> um, it's not very hard, and I'm sure many of you already do this. Uh, but basically you just, you know, cut up cabbage and or other brassicas or, or other, other vegetables and uh, put enough salt in them and uh, and squish them up so you have a little brine. Usually you'll make a little salt water brine to put on top. Make sure it's weighted and just let it sit out with a covering so flies don't get in for several days up to a week um, and then and then refrigerate it. Um, and we did a, a an episode with Chriso uh, Babcock about the DIY kitchen, which he talks, we talk about fermentation in that episode. Um, but I make a, I make a, a batch, you know, every every few months, and that lasts us a few months. So in the spring, I made a batch with um, with a bunch of spring tonics like ramps and nettles and uh, burdock root, burdock root, and that kind of stuff in the spring ephemerals and, and spring spring tonics with with the cabbage as the base and we ate that all summer and then uh in the fall i made a bunch with beets and that was really good that's my favorite right now and then i also made like the the more appalachian kimchi style with um horseradish it's like basically a fire cider and a sauerkraut so i have the cabbage and then carrots and um have horseradish ginger turmeric hot pepper um what else Whatever else is in fire cider, <laughs> onion, onion and garlic, yeah. yeah, and that's all. That's all mixed together. So it's kind of hot. Um, I like that one. Yeah, I'm. I I like the beet one better. I, I my my belly is pretty hot already, so I, I need more cooling mm. cooling uh, foods and plants. So yeah, so we eat we eat kraut pretty much every day with breakfast. Mm-hmm. Another thing we eat every day with breakfast is greens. So, yes, and that's also something that's very easy to grow. Uh, collards, kale, or foraging. Uh, I mean, you don't even have to, you can just like disturb some soil and some lamb's quarters and amaranth will probably pop up. And those are some of the best greens. And uh, nettles are really good greens. Um, so we we've been, we eat that pretty much every, every day, every morning. Mm-hmm. And the kraut is also not too hard to make a lot of it. You can make a lot of it in one batch and then you have it for months and months. You don't need to eat that much of it at once either. So, and that brings us to more foods too. Um, you know, winter time is good for winter foods. <laughs> it's a good time to to in, ingest a lot of bone broth and and this miso soup soups. Soups, yeah, soups are you know one of the big things. And uh, beans, beans. One of the cheapest ways to eat is buy a bunch of beans. You soak them, and then you can cook them. Uh, I like to cook them on the wood stove or in an InstaPot. Um, they take a long time, but they're very cheap, and they have a, a lot of uh, protein and carbs. And that with with homemade sourdough bread is is amazing. Beans and bread is a is like a classic 
classic food that that's very very inexpensive throw some pork butt in there if you're lucky yeah yeah <laughs> pork it really helps mm-hmm. <laughs> um and yeah and then the soups with all the roots like the the parsnips and the carrots and the potatoes and throw some ginger in there venison uh, if you've got if you hunt or if you have friends that hunt that's always a good addition to a winter stew and then you can use the base the stock of that stew you can you, you can make bone broth or i'll also use the the medicinal mushroom um, decoction in there it'll be you know sometimes it'll be a little more bitter uh, but it's uh it's really good and i guess one thing we didn't mention about the the medicinal mushrooms when we were talking about it is that when you dry them in the sun as we said with in, in our interview with with uh with john from catskill fungi they actually hyper absorb vitamin d so um you if you sun dry your mushrooms in the in the summer you can use them in the winter and you can get vitamin d that way too so we we uh, found a bunch of morels um in the spring and we dried those in the sun and i just made uh for our christmas dinner we had some some tenderloin venison from a from our neighbor and some brussels sprouts that we grew and uh a sauce of morels that I rehydrated and then made a gravy with, and that was amazing. It was so good. As the gravy gets in all the uh, all the pores of the of the of the morels, and yeah, the morel for those of you who don't know, kind of has the the consistency of like well, a small waffle, and so if yeah. you can imagine how a waffle will like sop up all the syrup you put on it, and the morel was doing that with the gravy, and it was just really good. Yeah. And one note that I think is important when you are soaking the morels, use that water. Don't throw it out. Yeah. Because, um, or any mushroom that you're rehydrating, because a lot of the flavor and constituents is going to then get into that water. And so you want to keep that for use in your gravy. Yeah. So I made that, I made the gravy with, with mm-hmm. the, with the broth from it. The other thing is that last year we harvest, we found a bunch of chanterelles and we dried a bunch. And we, I had heard that chanterelles aren't good dried, but, Really, if you rehydrate them with like, I, and I just put just past boiling water in the jar with them, and then just let them let them soak up, soak it up, and you get this this broth. Um, you just use that, and it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It, it it's just as good as as frozen morels uh, or chanterelles, and uh, not not yeah, it, it's definitely good. So I, I I will be drying chanterelles in the future, <laughs> and. You know, just the thinking about this conversation um, with the morels and the Brussels, and it's like we kind of prepared this spring and summer by freezing greens, freezing certain mushrooms, drying certain mushrooms. Um, we made pesto throughout the season yeah. with various things that were in season, like ramps when um, they came up in the spring or nettle in the spring. And then in the summer, we used some of our greens that we grew um well that's the whole thing about the winter in the northern hemisphere is you have to prepare all season for it yeah (laughs) so that's i guess our 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 number nine on our uh top 10 Mm -hmm. (laughs) is prepare the 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 full full year (laughs) Mm -hmm. for for winter um and next year we're already preparing this year to prepare next year so we're going to grow a lot more potatoes and root crops so that we're good in in the winter Mm -hmm. next winter um yeah, so I guess our, we have one last uh, one last tip and tidbit, and this relates to food too. Which one? 
Okay. <laughs> so our penult our, our no our ultimate our final uh, tip for the winter self care is pie. pie. <laughs> it's just so good. <laughs> yeah, we've been um, using butternut squash and acorn squash and pumpkins that are some of those hardier um, vegetables that you can store for longer. And we're like, what do we do with these? We can't just like eat the same kind of, you know, hash or mash or whatever. So yeah. we've been using them and making pie, making our own crust. And... Um, it's really it's easy to make crust, breakfast. so tell us how to make crust. We learned this from Violet from episode two. So it's basically just butter and flour. And I've always seen people make crust by rolling it out. But Violet taught me this amazing technique of making the crust with just pressing it into the pan. So Super easy. Yeah, it's super easy. Um, Very cheap. Well, the mm-hmm. butter's a little expensive. But. Yeah, so you kind of you kind of have it's kind of a process to see. It's hard to explain just right now, but like you basically are making these little crumbles of butter and flour with a little bit of salt, and then you you're use, pressing it into the pan to shape it into the pan, and it it comes out delicious. And you could probably use coconut oil too mm-hmm. instead of butter. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so pie you. Very, very uh, well. All the other thing with with pumpkin pie or acorn squash pie is you're making a custard, so you're adding like some milk and some egg to mm-hmm. it, and it actually has a it's like a meal. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. That was kind of my point of like using the squash and stuff. It's like basically, you know, it's like you got the protein from the egg and yeah, um, carbs. You don't add carbs. too much sugar. We don't add too much. Yeah, sugar we just to that. use like a little splash of honey or syrup, maybe a little vanilla and cinnamon on my clove, all those spices. But yeah, and you know, that also brings up quiches and frittata if you don't want to crust. Like, that is a staple because you can make a frittata and that's a couple meals. Yeah. You know, breakfast or lunch. You can have it with a little side salad or. And pot pies. My pot favorite. Pies. Love pot pies. So, pies. Yeah. It's Shepherd's about, pie. It's all about pies. You know? <laughs> well, so the, the those are our, that's our list of, uh, of tidbits and hints and helps. And what we do. Uh, to get through the winter. And I hope that, that you enjoyed it and you got some use out of it. Yeah, may you survive and thrive this winter and many winters to come. And um, yeah, hit us up if uh, you have any other techniques for surviving and thriving in the winter that we didn't mention. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and also just tell us what you think about the podcast so far. And if you would like to do that, you can email us at plantcunning at gmail.com. Yeah. And I hope you have a wonderful 2021. Hope it's better than 2020. Cheers.